Hello and welcome to episode number 20 of The Draft Analyst, presented by the Believe Sports Podcast Network. Do you believe? This is Chris Tripodi of DraftAnalyst.com, and I'm joined by Tony Pauline as we record our final bowl breakdown podcast of the Scouting the Bowl series. That can only mean one thing, Tony. It's full speed ahead for draft season. Absolutely, and the game that we're going to cover right now is really a scout's dream because uh, there are a ton of prospects uh, in the game that we're going to speak about. Absolutely, and, and that game is the Rose Bowl between 12-1 and Ohio State and 10-3 and Washington. There are several first-rounders in this game, even with the loss of potential top pick Nick Bosa, who left the Ohio State program earlier in the year and obviously won't play in this game. The best matchup that we're going to be looking at here features the Buckeyes' passing game and the Huskies' star-studded secondary. Dwayne Haskins is potentially the top quarterback on the board if he does declare with Justin Herbert returning to school. Obviously, the retirement of Urban Meyer may push Haskins towards the draft when he may not have been previously considering that. He's going to be going up against stud sophomore corner Byron Murphy from Washington, who has very few weaknesses in his game. He can play in man coverage. He can play in zone coverage. He closes quickly to the ball, has elite ball skills. So he's the top player in that secondary. But the Huskies also have a pair of impact safeties in Taylor Rapp and JoJo McIntosh. Those three, as well as Miles Bryant, are really, and also Jordan Miller, are really going to have to take care of the playmaking receivers on the Ohio State side of the ball, namely Paris Campbell and K.J. Hill, although you also have guys like Austin Mack who can make plays as well for Ohio State. So it's going to be really fun to watch those passing games kind of match up there. This one should be fun. Yeah, it should. And a couple of weeks ago, I had reported with Rand Duff in the Journey to the Draft podcast, I had been hearing all along that Dwayne Haskins is going to enter the draft. And since I reported that, Haskins got a first-round grade from the NFL Advisory Committee before Christmas, which was very early. And even before this game, he's come out and said that he feels he's NFL ready. So all the signs point to Dwayne Haskins entering the draft. I think it would be a bigger surprise if he doesn't enter the draft. And, and the top guy that is going to be trying to guard him, Byron Murphy, he's also going to enter the draft. I'm, I've been told that for a couple of months now. He's gone. He'll probably be the second cornerback selected after Greedy Williams. You mentioned Taylor Rapp. I think it's probably about 50-50 right now, a little bit better that Taylor Rapp enters the draft. We mentioned a couple of weeks ago, I'm sorry, not a, not even a couple of weeks ago, the day after, uh, a couple of days after Christmas, that K.J. Hill was going to enter the draft, and he made that made that official when he when he announced it before this game. Now, yeah, basically, what, what you're saying is right on. I mean, Haskins, this is going to be probably his toughest test of the season, and, it, and if he comes through, it's just going to affirm in his head and everyone else's head that he should enter the draft, because he is a big-time talent. He was someone, he's a basically a first-year starter on a full-time basis. The thing about Haskins that you've got to be excited about was he seemed to improve every week. There weren't you know peaks and valleys in his game as there were with Justin Herbert, who really didn't come through in the big spot. Haskins always came through for Ohio State. I mean, the time when they lost to Purdue, they put, what, 33 points up on the board? It wasn't the offense's fault. It wasn't his, it wasn't his fault. But he's got those big, tall receivers to throw the ball to. Uh, they compete for the pass. They're all NFL prospects. Paris Campbell really was a guy who was finally coming into his own, finally meeting expectations. There are some concerns that he's just a tall athlete who outruns people down the flanks, and he's got to improve his, pass, his uh, route running. I will agree with that. But still, I, I mean, he, he basically came into the season with a top 45 grade from scouts, and he's played like a top 45 player. As far as the, uh, the, the other uh, Ohio State defenders, Draymond Jones has already uh, declared for the draft. He's a guy who, after his, after his redshirt freshman season, I thought he was an early first-round pick, really didn't have the 
campaign in 2017 that was expected. Watch this game take off this year. Tremendous potential. Three technique tackle. Very explosive. Possibly a, 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 a defensive end in certain two-gap systems in certain three-man lines. A guy who's athletic, who makes a lot of plays behind the line of scrimmage. Someone I'm very excited about. Another defensive lineman who I give a first-round grade to. Absolutely. And I'm, I'm glad you mentioned Jones because it makes an easy transition for me to move to the Washington offensive line where they have a pair of bookend tackles here. Trey Adams, who was at times considered a first round prospect, has had lots of back issues, medical red flags all over the place with him. So he's dropping down boards. He's going to return to school for his senior season, hopefully stay healthy and rebuild that draft stock uh, to you know get back to, if not the first round level, because it's going to be tough for a an offensive lineman at his height with his injury red flags to end up as a first-round pick, but at least he can kind of boost his stock a little bit. And his partner in crime, Caleb McGarry, also has medical red flags. McGarry is more of a, a condition, a medical condition, that is causing his red flags, but he's impressed this season. He earned himself a senior bowl invite. So, Tony, what intrigues you here in the trenches? Yeah, and Trey Adams, remember, Trey Adams coming into the season was graded by some scouts as the top senior in the nation regardless of position. So they're going to be blocking for Miles Gaskin, a guy I've spoken about a couple times, one of my favorite running backs, a guy who I think is completely underrated. I have him graded as a third-round selection. Scouts gave him a six-round grade coming into the year. A little bit small, 5'9 and a half, 192 pounds, but runs and plays in the four fives. Really a guy who's great in space, shows the ability to pick and choose his spots on the inside, has the speed and agility to beat defenders around the corner, outstanding pass catcher out of the backfield, really a three-down player. I don't know that he is a feature runner, but I think in the right sort of system, he can be a starter or a, or a situational starter, a, a rotational starter, if you will, who, who gets a lot of carries and, and is able to uh, be used as a ex- productive pass catcher out of the backfield. And then let's not forget about the Ohio State running back, Mike Weber. I know you asked me about the matchups, and I'm j- jumping all over the place here. But, you know, Mike Weber of uh, Ohio State, who, as we have said since September on this podcast, was going to was looking like he was going to enter the draft. He made it official. You know, I, I, I've said that Miles My- Gaskin, I think, is ridiculously underrated. I feel the same way about Mike Weber. I think Mike Weber can be a starting running back at the next level. If you watch him as a redshirt freshman, he was absolutely explosive. Doesn't have the great height. It's going to be about 5'9 and a half, 212 pounds. But he's He's got great short area quickness. He's got excellent power for his size. A guy who grinded out on the inside and make defenders miss in the small area or, or even get around tackle. So a, a lot to his game. Very excited to see both of these running backs in this game. You know, just to give you an idea of how much talent is in this game. Uh, in the semifinal games, when Alabama played Oklahoma and Clemson beat Notre Dame, in each of those games, I gave draftable grades to 23 guys in both of those contests. In this game alone, Ohio State versus Washington, I've got 25 guys on my board that I've given draftable grades. So that kind of tells you uh, the amount of talent that's going to be on the field here. And it also tells you that we really can't stop just yet when we're talking about prospects. You mentioned Gaskin. He's going to be at the Senior Bowl. Good vision as a runner. Quick feet. You mentioned that he's an effective receiver. He's a guy that doesn't get his due. And a guy that I'm really excited to see at the Senior Bowl. He's also going to be joined by a couple teammates Fifth, sixth round type of players, Washington tight end Drew Sample and defensive tackle Greg Gaines could really go a number of ways talking about these guys or some of the other day three players in this game. Tony, anybody in particular that you want to discuss? You mentioned Greg Gaines. Washington plays a, uh, a three-man line. It'll be interesting to see if at any point in time Greg Gaines lines up against Isaiah Prince who has had a really good season. He's going to be a second-day pick. 
I have him right now graded as a third rounder. I could see him maybe moving into the late part of round two because tackles, there's such a premium on offensive tackles during the draft, and there are so few offensive tackles. So that is one matchup I'd be uh, very interested to see if, in fact, it comes to fruition. And another matchup that we're really interested to see is the Sugar Bowl, 11-2 Georgia, 9-4 Texas. Georgia cornerback DeAndre Baker isn't going to play in this game to prep for the draft. Now, he's a physical corner. He's got good athleticism. He doesn't hit that six-foot benchmark that we tend to look at for corners. His ball skills really aren't on the same level as some of the other top corners, the Greedy Williams, the Byron Murphys, who we mentioned earlier. He's a first-rounder many other places. He's a second-rounder on our board, as are several other Georgia defenders that are going to go off the board on day two. DeAndre Walker and Jonathan Ledbetter are guys that we're going to see at the Senior Bowl. Ledbetter is a very balanced defensive end. He's a good athlete at 275 pounds. Doesn't have the best play strength. The pass rush production isn't there yet, but he's a guy that has potential to develop in the future. DeAndre Walker, on the other hand, his pass rush production was there. 11 tackles for loss this year, seven and a half sacks. He's a high motor guy. He's only 245 pounds, though, still developing as a pass rusher. And this was really his first year as a full-time player. And if you look at his numbers from early in his career, when he was a part-time player, you would not think that this guy was not playing a majority of the snaps. So he's a guy that when he's on the field, he's very productive. And he's a guy that could also develop down the line. A third Georgia defender here is J.R. Reed, a rangy safety who's explosive versus the run. If his ball skills were a little bit better, he'd probably be a first-round prospect. Instead, he falls as a second-rounder on our board just below DeAndre Walker and just above DeAndre Baker. Tony, give us a kind of breakdown of the Georgia defensive guys as you see them. Yeah, and I think it's a missed opportunity for DeAndre Baker. As you said, there are some people who think he's a first-round pick. I never did. He's He plays physical football, though he doesn't have the great size, under six foot tall, 185 pounds. The problem with Baker is he never gets his head back around and locates the pass in the air. He's constantly face-guarding. And it would have been a, a real good challenge because uh, Texas has two outstanding uh, receivers in little Jordan Humphrey and Colin Johnson. Johnson, I think, is going to be a third-round pick if he enters the draft. Humphrey, not far behind. These guys are big. They're physical. They went out for the contested passes. Would have been a nice uh, nice matchup to see, but it's not going to come to fruition. One defensive back from Georgia that will be trying to guard against these players is J.R. Reed. I have him right now rated higher than DeAndre Baker as a second rounder. A guy that's got good length at six foot tall, excellent speed, play, runs and plays in, in the uh, mid to high four fours, which is good, good speed for a safety. Goes sideline to sideline. Very explosive hitter, so it's going to be fun to watch that matchup when uh, J.R. Reed is asked to cover either Colin Johnson or little Jordan Humphrey over the middle. You mentioned DeAndre Walker. Right now, he's my highest-rated player. He's my highest-rated player in this game, my highest-rated Georgia player, a guy who's shown a lot of development in his game. He's explosive. He's athletic. More of a 3-4 outside linebacker, but a guy who can force the action and alter the momentum of games with big hits. So... Watching Reed try and cover the tight ends and watching Walker try and alter the momentum of games, it's going to be fun to watch. And it's also something that scouts are going to be watching. Absolutely. And you mentioned Colin Johnson. He's massive. He's six foot six. He's 220 pounds. Contested catch winner. He has elite body control, really good catch radius, makes just spectacular catches all over the field. He's a guy that is pretty solidly cemented, as you said, as a day two pick. 
There's another potential day two receiver on the other side here, and that's George's Riley Ridley, a guy who really flashed in limited action in 2017, a guy who looked good in the national championship game to kind of put himself on the radar of casual fans who may not have really known much about him. And then again, no one really knew too much about him last year as far as production on the field. He only had about 14 catches, I believe it was. This year, he was the Bulldogs' top receiver, although they really spread it around. He didn't even hit 40 catches. He had a rough offseason between ankle surgery and a marijuana arrest. I believe he was suspended for the first game of the season as a result of that arrest as well. He's only a junior, so he may not come out, but he's a smart receiver. He's got good size, good athleticism. He's still raw, could use some work on his releases, on his route breaks, but in the end, he has the ingredients to be an NFL starter with further development down the line. Tony, what do you think of Ridley, and, and who do you like more between him and Colin Johnson? Oh, well, well, they're different type of receivers. I mean, Colin Johnson is more of a game-controlling possession wideout whose draft stock is going to be uh, reliant on how fast he runs because he's a bit of a loper, whereas Ridley is quick and explosive. Ridley is a, is a legitimate downfield receiver, and it's going to be up to Chris Boyd, the cornerback from Texas, who we right now I grade as a third, fourth-round prospect to basically try and slow down Ridley if he can do it. You know, Boyd is a guy who... Is just as fast as Ridley, runs runs and plays in the low 4-4s, 5'11", 195 pounds. The problem with, with Chris Boyd is similar to what we see with DeAndre Baker. He struggles making plays with his back to the ball. He's better facing the action. But, and you know that George is going to challenge him, and you know that Ridley, as well as Terry Goodwin, the other uh, Georgia receiver who's got some speed, they're going to be going. They're going to be trying to take Chris Boyd downtown and trying to exploit the fact that he doesn't get his head back around and locate the pass. Uh, so both of those Georgia receivers are next-level uh, prospects. It's going to be up to Chris Boyd. And I have Ridley rated just, uh, just a little bit higher than Chris Boyd, so that's going to be a great matchup to watch. Absolutely. I'm glad you mentioned Boyd because him, along with Charles Amenahu, who we've talked about in previous podcasts, will both be at the Senior Bowl, so we'll get to see them live, up close, and in person. Amenahu had a big jump in production this season, 16 tackles for loss, nine and a half sacks. He's six foot six, 275 pounds. He really has great frame, great length. He's a physical player. He has versatility both in where he can line up along the line, whether he's a three technique, a five technique, and also how he can win with rush moves, whether he beat you inside, whether he beats you outside. Tony, what do you think of uh, Amenahu's NFL future? Yeah, well, obviously, he's a guy who has improved his draft stock. He came into the season with a six-round grade. Right now, we have him as an early fifth-rounder. He continues to improve, relatively athletic, sort of a thin frame, so a guy who may struggle standing up against the run, but he's got excellent growth potential, and someone who... You know, if he plays well against Georgia and has a good senior bowl and works out well, I would not be surprised if he doesn't land in in the late part of uh, day two. I don't have him there yet, but again, he's a good pass rusher with with versatility, as you said, the ability to play several different positions on the defensive line, and those guys tend to go early or go earlier than originally uh, projected. Tony, in addition to Amenahu, there are several other day three prospects from this game. Are there any guys in particular that you have your eye on beyond the ones we've discussed? Two tight ends, one from Georgia, one from Texas. Isaac Nayotu, a guy who you brought to my attention, who uh, really did well in the uh, SEC title game. Big, strong tight end, solid pass catcher, holds his own as a blocker. Not the biggest guy in the world, but someone who I think can line up as a number two tight end at the uh, next level. And then Andrew Beck from Texas, a guy who I liked early on in his career, sat out 2017 with an injury. He's more of a blocking tight end, 6'2 and a half, 253 pounds, runs and plays in the four rates. He's more of a short range pass catcher. 
but really has rebounded well from his injury. He's watched his game take off. If he can run reasonably well, and reasonably well means in, in the low 4.8s, I, I think he's going to sneak into the last part of the draft, uh, late rounds of the draft, because some team is going to snatch him up and line him up as a uh, third tight end at the next level. And that's it here on the 20th episode of The Draft Analyst, presented by the Believe Sports Podcast Network. Do you believe? If you're enjoying the show, please subscribe via iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or find us on any of the other major podcast platforms as well. Leave us a rating and a review, and feel free to send us questions to answer on the show as well. Don't forget to continue using DraftAnalyst.com as your go-to resource for NFL Draft information. Bowl season may be done, but we'll continue bringing in-depth coverage of all the big off-season events in addition to breaking news on prospects you'll need to know about. And we'll be back next weekend with a preview of the national championship game between Alabama and Clemson. For Tony Pauline, I'm Chris Tripodi. Good night.